Um, but to be honest, like, was I surprised? Yeah. I was just surprised that he was willing to go for it. But at the same time, like if we think back to New York, I passed him like on the last lap and snuck a win away from him. So I know he was hungry. Like he had almost tasted victory a couple times. And to be honest, I was surprised because like the two dudes that probably went down the hardest the weekend before are now battling for a win. So like I almost, I still had a lot of respect for him. Episode 84, Tank Slapping Podcast. Got another guest in this quote-unquote studio this week. We'll get with him here in a minute. Want to make sure we shout out our sponsors and make this show happen week in and week out. Mission Foods, really, really excited to have Mission Foods on board supporting the podcast. I had no idea, but they're listeners to the pod and they tune in and they uh, reached out to get involved and stoked to have their support on what we're doing. So big thanks to Mission Foods for supporting the sport and uh, supporting what we do here on the podcast. I want to give a shout out to Yamaha Racing and Yamaha Motorsports. Big, big supporters of what we do. And obviously with uh, their, their contingency and flat track and support for a couple teams, our guest actually today or tonight, whenever you're listening is a Yamaha guy himself. So we'll get some thoughts on, uh, on that from him as well. But yeah, I just want to give a shout out to uh, the crew at Yamaha for supporting what we do. Uh, Indian Motorcycle, since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Make sure you go check out an Indian dealership, go test ride a bike. We've had Gary Gray on the podcast. He's a big supporter of the sport, what they do with flat track, hooligan racing, bagger racing. They have a really cool brand, and I'm, I'm really stoked on what they're doing over there at Indian Motorcycle, and we're excited to have them involved in what we're doing here. Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, check out their website at DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. Their 19-inch tires have been around for forever, but their DT4, we're about three years into that. Phenomenal tire. Stoked that we're running them in the American Flat Track Series. They've exceeded expectations on so many levels. And then they're coming out with a 17-inch tire that I think they just released. I'm pretty sure they're available now. If you go on DunlopMotorcycleTires.com, go snag a 17-inch tire for the 85cc Mad Dog bikes. And uh, from what I've heard, Dunlop's going to keep keep that growth going uh, on smaller bikes as well in the future. So really, really excited that they're investing so much into flat track. It's, it's been a long time coming and it's really cool to have them and their brand involved in, uh, in flat track and Jerry Stinchfield roof systems of Dallas, Texas. Jerry keeps the sport going, does a lot for so many riders and the sport in general. And, and he's been with our podcast since day one. We really appreciate everything Jerry does for us. And then also a big, big shout out to uh, another one of our day one sponsors, Bell Helmets. Um, we say it a lot on the show, but if you start Tank Slab and you want to be protected by Bell, check out their website at bellhelmets.com. Our guest today is, like I said, he's, he's training right now in Florida. He's an uh, Illinois boy. You guys probably know by now, but it's Dallas Daniels. Dallas, man, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Just uh, down here in enjoying the winter training so far hanging out with the teammates trevor bruner and jd beach and pretty much just grinding man it's been a grind been down here this will be our uh third week we're starting up now and just enjoying the process yeah man i, I have some questions about training with jd and living with jd that uh i'm sure a lot of people want to know about because jd's a grinder and he doesn't he takes everything real serious when it comes to racing and uh and as he should man he's he's really uh really focused and it's I'm always curious about what JD does for fun on the weekends and things like that. And, and you too. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but man, there's a lot to cover here. You you've uh, I've 
I've, it's crazy to say I've basically watched you grow up. Um, your dad, Nick, it was a national number rider. Was he always number 91? Uh, well, you know, I can't, uh, I can't, I'm, he would know why, but back in the day, you really didn't make a net, like you didn't have to really make a national to get a national number. So he actually had 90 because he got so many of his hot shoe points, whatever it was back then. And then he made a Springfield TT and it would have been 06 and he got 91. But other than that, he was, he was a multiple different numbers, but those were his only national ones. Yeah. I remember, I remember him as being like the TT guy at Springfield as like, I think it was like the early two thousands or, or mid two thousands. He was kind of like the TT guy, but obviously he was good on all kinds of racetracks, but yeah, basically I've watched you grow up and being at the track, seeing you come through the ranks, 50s, 60s, 80s. Uh, it's been crazy, actually. Crazy journey now. Now you're racing the premier level, and I've gotten a race with you. But, damn, it's crazy. I feel old. Um, but who is your – obviously, aside from your pops, who was your favorite racer growing up? I mean, you're an Illinois guy, but uh, you've been to a lot of different racetracks. You've been to a lot of pro races with your pop growing up. Who was kind of the, the guys you looked up to and who you kind of were fans of the most? Uh, I gotta be a little biased, but Nikki Hayden was obviously my number one, number one, uh, guy I looked up to, you know, my dad kind of worked for him and he had a lot of good stories of, uh, working for him back in the day. And obviously Nikki was a bad dude. So, but I mean, as far as dirt track goes, like I remember being eight, nine years old, going to Daytona short track. And I always, uh, I always loved Jake Johnson. I loved his style and he always had really cool gear and cool bikes. And, uh, he was always just, uh, one of the front runners back back in the in the day I guess I could say not that old but uh you know the guys back then were Jake Johnson Jared Meese uh, Brad Baker you know pretty much the guys kind of that era when I was a kid but uh you know those caliper guys I would say yeah and I like to ask this to like kids that have grown up in the sport you see those guys as your heroes growing up and then you actually got to line up and race with them when you turn pro uh I don't know if you've raced with Jake really or because I think he no, retired. Really. Okay. So, but anyway, you're going to be racing with obviously this year and you've raced with him at some outlaw races growing up, but Jared Meese and um, some of the older guys, I mean, I don't even know. A lot of the older guys have stepped away recently, but like the Sammy Halberts and, and the Jared Meese is like, what's that mindset for you? Like, what is it like? I know for me growing up, I grew up in the sport and, and then when I actually got to line up and race with Chris Carr, it was just kind of weird to me. Like it was a mental block that it took me like forever to kind of get over. It's like, damn, like I had posters of this guy in my room and now I got to go out and, and try and try and beat him. It, it's a hard mindset. Actually. I think it's harder for kids that have grown up in the sport um, just because you've watched them guys grow up and going from your hero to a competitor. That's kind of a weird dynamic that um, it's hard to explain to people that haven't really felt it. No, a hundred percent. And I've, uh, I definitely understand what you mean. Cause I've kind of dealt with that with, uh, Henry Wiles actually, like <laughs> since I've been alive, the dudes won Peoria. Right. So like, I've pretty much had no choice, but to look up to this guy. And he was always a, you know, a lot of people don't want to believe it because how he is at the racetrack, but he's actually a really cool guy, especially to me when I was a kid and my sister and my mom. So I always had a lot of respect for him and lining up to him was kind of the first time I'd ever really had to race with somebody at the pro professional level that I used to look up to. And it kind of takes a second. Cause you got to go from like, Oh, wow, this is a, you know, top guy to like, I got to, I want to beat this guy. And uh, I'm going to have to do that with, you know, Jared Mees and Briar Bauman and, 
those top guys, even JD, I would put in that category. So it's, uh, it's definitely tough, but I think after, you know, a couple of races or a season or so, it's just second nature. You just move on and they turn into competitors. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I think the first time I raced you, you were probably like 12 or 14. I know you were young and you would do like the Steve Nace races and they'd have like the pro-am class and, and you would line up with like all the, like not all the top guys at one race, but there'd be some good guys like lined up with you. And I think that might've helped you like conquer that mindset so young where like, once you turned 16, you've already kind of had a taste of it. Like you were racing, I don't know if it was pro supermoto. I know you, you did some of that at a young age, you rode some moto America events. And, um, so you had a taste of that pro level when you get, um, when you turn 16 and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but it's very uncommon that a 16 year old is absolutely ready for the pro ranks. Um, but the way you and your pops went about it, I felt like you were absolutely ready when you turned 16. And I can only say that for maybe one out of, I think I put one out of 10, but probably one out of 20 guys where they should even be out there. And, um, yeah, so you were battle tested at a young age and you mentioned wiles. And that was a question I had later on the show, but I actually bring it up now. Um, you know, he, you mentioned he's won Peoria, man, it seems like forever. Like I, I think it's since like Oh three or something crazy born. <laughs> since the year you're born, which is absolutely crazy. Um, and it's such a underrated thing, honestly, like what we don't really put a lot of emphasis emphasis on it now. Cause it's still happening, but I'm sure 20 years from now, we'll be like, damn, that was like an incredible run. But um, you know, then last year, two years ago, I guess it is now he was injured you won the 450 class, Briar won the twins. And then this year he came back and the um, AFT or whoever, they put a lot of emphasis on the Dallas versus Wiles thing. And what was the emphasis you put on it um, that you put on beating him there this year? I mean, was it uh, a, one of your major goals? Was it, you know, something you, you really worked toward or was there a bigger picture uh, involved? Uh, yeah. So going back to the, your first part of the question, I really got to give a lot of the credit to my dad for putting me in the pro class at a young age. I remember being 12 years old, going to those races, lining up next to national number of guys, scared to death. <laughs> like, you know, just, uh, but that's why I was prepared by the time I was 16. Like you said, it was second nature. You know, I was, I had been used to lining up with guys like Jared Vanderkoy, Brandon Robinson, Johnny Lewis, uh, you know, yourself, top caliper guys um, that when I went pro, it really wasn't a, wasn't a big deal for me, but moving on to the Peoria thing, it was, uh, you know, that I kind of saw it coming before it even got out there that they're going to put me up against Henry because he's coming back and who's going to stop his streak. And, you know, the young kid is going to beat the old guy. Like it was just the perfect story, Honda versus Yamaha. Uh, and, you know, it got brought up a lot to me, like, Oh man, are you going to do it? Like pretty much every fan at even Volusia, you know, asking about it. So, I kind of just let it fly on by and I was, I was so focused on the championship because, you know, that's really the bigger picture for me that I would have been totally happy walking out of there with a second, especially looking back on it now. Um, but, you know, once you get there in the day, I think every racer will agree. It's like, man, I, you know, I want to be the guy that comes out on top in this battle for sure, especially, you know, put somebody who hasn't been uh, dethroned there, you know, since he started his streak and, so, I mean, I, I want to say, yeah, I wanted to do it, but it wasn't my top goal of the year. Yeah, fair enough. And I've heard Jared Meese talking comments too about beating Henry at Peoria. It's like, 
Peoria is always at the end of the season, kind of toward the end of the season. And by that point, all the guys who could maybe give Wiles a shot, it's like they're always kind of focused on that bigger picture. And Henry kind of like he goes there and he's that's his race, man. He's going there to win. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I don't know, you know, because I've never been in that situation going into that race with anybody. But I've, I've heard similar things with Jared. It's like, man, I, I really want to beat him. But it's like, you know, I'm focused on a on a championship. And that's not taking anything away from Henry because he's done it on, man, like, six or seven different motorcycles carbureted bikes fuel injected bikes he did it on a twin he came back and did it on a 450 again he's definitely earned the you know the nickname uh you know king of peoria or whatever it is um so yeah uh again i i uh i don't see eye to eye with henry sometimes but he's a legend and i got a lot of respect for the guy as as far as his riding ability goes man he's he's unreal so um yeah props to him for keeping that streak going and uh and uh yeah and just yeah, being so dominant for so long, but moving on, um, I guess another thing we could chat about. Yeah, we'll talk about this now. Um, so phenomenal season, first off, congrats. Um, no surprise, really. I picked you, uh, to double up and get another one. Are you, are you the, you're the first one to get two, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, that's kind of why it was such a big deal at the moment, you know, like big goal for the year because it's always cool to be the first person that does something, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah, it's crazy. Like I'm trying to think, man. Yeah. Nobody's ever, that's crazy. Cause it's been, this singles class has been around. I talked, Brandon Robinson was on last week and I think we've, we've said it since 2009. There's always been a different championship winner. It's crazy. That's actually crazy to think about. Um, but anyway, yeah. Phenomenal season. Um, we don't really, we're not going to chat too much about it because you've spoke about in interviews and stuff, kind of the grind on how the season was and the Peoria thing and coming back and the Springfield deal and, um, and just finishing strong, you know, it was a, it was a way different season for you than uh, 2020 where, you know, you, you, you strung off maybe like six or seven wins or something like that. And, you know, you got to kind of relax and, and chill a little bit there toward the end. It wasn't, you know, as much of a mental grind as going into the last race and, knowing you, you know, you got to perform to, to get the title. But I wanted to talk about the, um, the Springfield thing. Cause that was like, that was a turning point in the season and it was kind of big news. Um, and it's actually ironic because the guy now is your teammate, Trevor Bruner. So I spend every day with him. I still want to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So in, in that moment, uh, were you surprised with the pass? What were your thoughts on the pass at the time? And what are your thoughts on it now? Like looking back, um, yeah, just one of those things that a lot of people want to want to hear more about from your end of it, and wanted to just ask and see what you thought. No, hundred percent. I think to a lot of people, uh, uh, something like this is a touchy subject. But to me, I mean, it's just part of race. I'm like now, I look at it. Uh, we're staying in the same house. We're training every day, and I'm actually trying to help him win a championship, and we're becoming good friends in the process. So, I mean. At the same time, like when I think about it, of course, I was, you know, whatever side of the fence you're on. You're, I mean, like if I was the one doing the taking out or like the position I was, I'm going to be pretty pissed off about it, which I was. Um, but to be honest, like, was I surprised? Yeah, I was just surprised that he was willing to go for it. But at the same time, like if we think back to New York, I passed him like on the last lap and snuck a win away from him. So I know he was hungry. Like he had almost tasted victory a couple times and 
to be honest, I was surprised because like the two dudes that probably went down the hardest the weekend before are now battling for a win. So like I almost, I still had a lot of respect for him because like, you know, to come out of what he did and myself. Uh, but at the same time, it was like I was trying to come back from losing a whole bunch of points at a track I should have made a whole bunch of points on. So I was already hungry and, uh, you know, I was still injured. Um, and when it happened, I was just kind of I, to be honest, I think it helped me. Like I was so much more focused for the next main event and those last, what would it have been four or five rounds of the year, just to make it happen, just to prove everybody that like, it doesn't matter what gets thrown at me. I can come back from it, which obviously it ended up working out in our favor. And we ended up winning both main events with what they chose, but um, no, it was, uh, it was definitely crazy. But when it comes to race and motorcycles, like, you know, whatever happens on the track, you leave out on the track, like me and Trevor grew up racing together. I have a lot of respect for him. And uh, now we're becoming good friends, like I said. So, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I'm not a person to hold grudges. Like we can have our business and we can move on from it. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I've always uh, been pretty vocal about how and you, you and your pops handle things. Um, just always kind of, uh, I don't know, just, yeah, the way you handled that whole deal, like you could have been whining and pissy about it. You could have, been hammering him or extra vocal and you know it, it yeah I thought you guys handled it obviously like you always do and and uh I think it's it's done well for your career just uh kind of a, a no excuse mentality and uh and that's something that's kind of rare man like even these top guys there's a lot of excuses that get thrown around and oh, yeah. and I think that uh I think you honestly have learned a lot of that from watching Nikki uh because Nikki was one of those guys where he could finish 12th on a bike that was handling like shit and it would be very easy for him to just blame the bike or blame the team. And he always would just kind of deflect questions and say, man, I just got to be better. And, and that's something I try and teach a lot of the younger riders that I work with. It's, you know, it's um, I don't care if your handlebar handlebars fall off, like what can you do better? Like there's always something you can do better. So yeah, I've always admired that mindset that you guys have. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was tough on social media. Social media sucks when it comes oh, to stuff dude, like that. Ridiculous. Just reading it. It's hard. It, it's hard for people to understand like when it's about you or like your family or your friends, it's hard to read that and not as, as close as we are with our fans and our sport, it's hard to read stuff and not go on and comment. Like, 100%. well, I mean, you have to read it cause it's like, you want to know what people are saying. And the way my dad says it is like Facebook's made everybody way too comfortable with the get not getting punched in the face. You know, it's like they would never come up, you know, even at Springfield, it's like, Oh, I'm for sure on the right side of the fence. Like, nobody's going to be mad at me and there's comments all over the place like oh he shouldn't have took the win it's like I didn't make the decision you know but whatever it's just part of it I guess yeah and I've I've gotten a lot better personally with reading stuff and not commenting every once in a while I'll throw up a comment just just to let them know I'm still reading it but uh yeah it's tough man and and uh and a lot of social media is a lot of negative stuff man you could do everything right you could be the nicest guy in the world and people are gonna you know you could donate 20 grand to a charity and someone should say you should donate 25 so it's always gonna be haters yeah. yeah exactly yeah even like the nicest guys like tim tebow or guys that are just really nice like ryan dungy like he's got a lot of people that don't like him because he's too nice like so <laughs> so that yeah there's that side of the fence with it um but anyway moving on let's talk a little bit about we won't touch upon it a lot but the road racing deal man you and oh, man, forgive my, I should know this, but I know you've won a junior cup race 
and I don't know, I don't know much of your road racing history. Horizon Award, right? Horizon yeah, Award. Yeah, so 2018. So double Horizon Award winner. One was in road racing. One was flat track. You've won a Junior Cup race. You haven't road raced for probably. You could correct me when you when you answer, but maybe two years now. Um, any plans for that moving forward? And is it kind of the state of? how well flat track is doing or your opportunities on, on the dirt to why you're not road racing. Um, what would you do and follow up to that? What would you do if you can make the same amount of money? Like is your heart in dirt because that's just what you want to do or is just kind of where the opportunities are? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's no secret right now. I've probably got the best opportunity in flat track with the team I have. And, you know, it definitely, I really started at the beginning um, when Nikki passed, you know, I'd, uh, I hadn't, ever really been close you know I like we went to Tommy's uh wedding and stuff when I was a little kid but really when Nikki passed away we went to the funeral and pretty much since then Earl uh was pretty much in my corner like I'd literally talk to the dude every week and you know it bums me out thinking about that uh those phone calls won't be coming but uh in 2017 he had hooked me up with uh John Allridge at Road Racing World and they were doing the wild card rides and that's when everybody was on the KTM RC 390s. And so that's when Earl, Earl made the call and hooked me up with Dale Quarterly, which Dale Quarterly is, uh, if anybody who doesn't know him, he's like one of the dudes that won as a privateer back in 93 at Mid-Ohio. And was just a, just a bad dude, went on to race cars. Like he can build it, he can ride it. Anyway, it's just a genius. Um, got me hooked up with him and I went and did Pittsburgh and I ended up doing pretty well. And Dale liked me and John Aldridge kind of liked me. So I was geared up to do the rest of the season. And uh, I ended up going to Barber to test and I high sighted and broke my wrist. So that uh, I was kind of like, oh, there goes my road racing career, just back to dirt track. And later that winter, I got a call from Bob Robbins, who was the owner of the team Dale Quarterly was working for. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to do something. I said, 100%. My dad felt like it was a great opportunity for me to get used to the pro level, having a pro card, signing autographs, doing qualifying, you know, the whole deal. And felt like it would help me when it came to going pro and flat track. And, you know, the, my first year was, I went once I, it kind of sucked because I started to climb the ladder and I was making big strides and I was testing at New Jersey and I high sided and broke both my wrists. So I sat back there for a while and it was kind of the first time I ever had a big crash and I really had to come back from. And, uh, you know, like people will say athletes, like if once you come back from an injury, like it, the, you can't have an explanation for it, it just clicks. And like, you just, it comes back to normal and, I was able to, man, I, I should know the stats, but, you know, I was like second or third at all the races, finally won a race. And then, you know, some, uh, some issues there in the middle of the season, I had to quit, but um, no, it was, it was a short stint. And, you know, I was able to go over to world super sport and do a round of Qatar, which was a dream come true, which I sucked, but you know, those guys over there are pretty gnarly. Uh, but it was, um, it was a great part of my life and I love road racing, but uh, you know, as far as answering the question of if the opportunity was the same on dirt, man, I love dirt track. I love flat track. And I'm just now, you know, I'm at the point now where I've dedicated my whole life. I want to win a championship before I set my mind on anything else. You know, I've come this far. I want to achieve that goal at least. Um, and if an opportunity were to come to do some road racing, you know, it's, it's worth talking about, but I'm not going to sit here and say hundred percent, I'd do it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's some good insight. I didn't know all that stuff. So uh, I remember you doing the World Superbike or Super Sport round. And yeah, like you said, those guys are no joke. But uh, no, it was just, it's always cool when we have an American overseas. And I remember that 
following your journey for that. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. A couple more things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, so you're young, you've won two titles already at age 18, 18. Okay. So, um, new pro riders that are coming through the ranks, you know, I see a lot of it on social media and it's that time of the year now where these younger kids, they, they get their pro license. They post the photo of the hard card, the shiny hard card on social media. And they kind of have that mentality where it's like, I've made it, you know, I've turned pro. And I personally, it's like, you haven't made it yet. Like when you turn pro, they almost, I'm not knocking anybody. They almost give a pro card to not anybody, but almost anybody. I agree. So that mentality where you get the hard card and you're a pro, you can wear your hard card around, tell all your friends you're a pro racer. Those kids that do that, it seems like they never grow. They just, they've wanted to turn pro, they turn pro, they're a part of the show and they wonder why they don't get the results they want. And I wanted to get your mindset on it. It's like when you turn pro, now it's kind of time to get the work. Now it gets harder. Um, I had a conversation with an amateur dad at the winter throwdown and he was kind of complaining about a bunch of things that I was, it wasn't really, I was like, man, what do you, why are you like, it's not a big deal. Um, it was kind of, he was looking for an easy way out or an easy way to win. And I'm like, dude, if you're, if you're looking for an easy way now, there are no easy ways at the pro level. Like, I've had this conversation so many times. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah. yeah. So every, 100%. every race, every, where you go at the pro level, it is hard. Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on? And what would you tell like a kid maybe, who is turning pro. Um, cause honestly, I see a lot of these kids turning pro. It's like, well, he's not ready. He's not ready. Oh, yeah. He's not ready. Especially the way the classes are laid out now. It's like, man, if you're going to turn pro, um, and you just need to be, it's, it's, that's when the real work starts kind of, what are your thoughts on that? No, I a hundred percent agree with everything you just said. And the, the thing now for the kids is that, uh, this class is full of veterans, you know, like, uh, Henry Wiles is such as one winning grand nationals. Shana, she was in a former national number, you know, Mikey, he was a national number one grand nationals. Like this class is kind of moved from a stepping stone to like, you know, just an expert class on different bikes. I feel, um, you know, a lot of these guys, man, they're just, it's a war out there. Like most of the races, especially some of the miles, like it's, it's just gnarly. So no, it's actually funny. I wanted to bring this up, uh, I was having a conversation with a dad last year and he came up to me and he asked, and he said, Hey, what, man, what do you think we need to do to get ready? We're going to, you know, we're getting ready for amateur nationals. What, uh, what, what do we need to do? I said, man, you need to go race. I'm like, you need to go hit every race you can every weekend. And you just need to, to grind basically. Like you can't, you're not going to learn anything better than simulation. And he's like, ah, man, we don't really want to do that. We'd rather just go test. And I was like, uh, I did, it, you're wasting my time then. Uh, but it's like for the kids coming up, it's a, uh, I guess what I would say is like my dad always told me once I got on 450s, he said, enjoy it now because life only gets harder. Everything only gets harder. You know, you start making money, got to start, you know, buying houses. You want to buy vans, you know, you got to pay a whole bunch of money to the government and, you know, you want things, you got to make your own money, you got to move out of the house, turn into adult, you know, everything gets harder. Uh, They don't teach you that in school. But, uh, you know, as far as a kid coming up, it's like, man, don't, don't get to the pro level, like you said, and just stop. Like that's really where the uphill battle gets, gets harder. And that's where, like I was having a conversation with Chase Sadoff because he's a kid I really like and we're really good friends and he's from around my area. I said, man, 
you need to have the hardest training winner you've ever had this winter. Like if you really want to come out and be a contender, you know, on the motorcycle he's on, you know, you gotta, you gotta put yourself through the paces and it's not a, I think a lot of these kids I've seen, like we've seen, like you said, we've seen a lot of guys come from like, Oh man, this kid's gonna, he's gonna light the world on fire. Then boom, doesn't really do anything. And I've seen that too. Like, and it still stands for me, like guys that were really good in the singles class and then moved to twins and they kind of just plateau and they kind of just fade out. So like, I'm still in that category. Like, man, I'm, I just want to, I don't want to be that guy. And I think a lot of, like you said, a lot of kids like just want the clout kind of just like, Oh, I'm a pro guy and I'm at the scene. And then they kind of just fizzle out because they realize that the work's too much for them. So, I mean, I guess my input on it is that I would just work harder. I mean, that's, it's only going to get harder. You're only racing with better guys, you know? Yeah. And honestly, there's, um, there's kids at, and it's the other way too. There's kids that have gotten third and fourth their whole pro career. And then they, I'm sorry, their whole amateur career. And then they turn pro and they're winning races. Like, um, trying to think of, of, of some examples there, but, uh, but like, yeah, there's, there's people out there that they, you know, they start working hard and then the talented kids, like there's kids that like I grew up with that I never beat ever growing up ever. And now it's like, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. so it's the same thing, man. It's a, yeah. uh, it's a mindset first off and it's just, uh, it's just working hard and there's nobody at the top level anymore that kind of just skates by everybody that wins at the top wins at wins at the top level they're all they're they're working hard and, and they're putting in the work so yeah just turning pro it's cool but man that is uh that is step one uh there there's many more steps after that so oh, yeah. good to get your insight on that as well and you mentioned this too and i wanted to bring it up i was going to bring it up anyway but yeah the feeder class thing um you know it's big in supercross right now as well with uh with the 250s and christian craig obviously he's he's a, a veteran kind of a 30, I think he's 30, 31 and he's racing the 250 class. And I personally don't look as the 250 class in supercross or the singles class and flat track as a feeder class. Um, that word is just so off right now. And I just think it's a bad, a bad mindset to have as well. It's like when you turn pro, these guys are looking for an easier pro class. It's like, man, you turn pro. I personally think you should be ready to race anybody. Um, the cool thing about the 250 and the 450, it's, it's bikes that are, you know, you've raced a lot as an amateur. Um, a lot of these kids growing up yourself, Chase, Cody Cobb, you guys have ridden DTX 450s forever. So, yeah, yeah. so you're on bikes that you're familiar with, but you just have more stacked competition. You have the Mikey rushes, the Henry Wiles, the Shana's, the, um, then you have like guys like Ryan Wells and Chad coast and guys that have won races that still compete in that class. So what are your thoughts on, I mean, I think I wrote down, I think there is a premier class, obviously the, the 450 and Supercross, Superbike and Moto America, Super Twins and Flat Track. That's the premier class, but I don't think there's any feeder classes. Um, every every uh, class at the top has fast, fast riders. You know, it's, it's stacked no matter what you do. So should there be a feeder class, so to speak? And what are your thoughts on what we have right now? Uh, you know, my thoughts on it, like, yeah, the, the problem is, is, you know, the AFT singles class is supposed to be a step on the ladder for the kids and guys like myself. So they get in there, do it a couple of years and they're ready to move on they're, They've showed their talent. Hopefully they get a good ride. And I feel that AFT kind of screwed up there when they let people start to come down, which it is cool 
but at the same time, a 16 year old kid lining up next to Henry Wiles, like that's crazy. Like, I feel like once you're kind of went to the level, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like they, they kind of screwed up there letting guys come back down, which I mean, it does make the racing better, but at the same time, you've got the top guys. Now they're complaining like, Oh, this guy, he's not ready. He's not ready. It's like, well, this is kind of supposed to be a stepping stone, but at the same time, I think it's cool. Like racing with those guys. I mean, they're not going to race you sketchy or anything. They know what they're doing. You know, you're not racing with lunatics or anything like that. They're, they're great guys, but yes, as far as going into the feeder thing, I disagree with that completely. I think, you know, I just, I enjoy watching the 250 class at Supercross just as much as I do the 450 class and sometimes more. And same thing at, uh, you know, Moto America, everybody enjoys watching the junior cup and the super sport 600 just as much as the Superbike. And I mean, after watching Gagne last year, I really only watched to watch the junior cup or 600, especially since he was dominating. But, um, I mean, I don't really see him as a feeder class. I just see like, hey, here's our class on different motorcycles with our younger talent. Like, I don't think that's like, you know, it is a stepping stone. I think eventually people, you know, if you want to make it in the sport, you eventually move out of the class. But, you know, I'm kind of contradicting myself. But it is cool that like, you know, the guys can come back if they can't get a ride in Super Twins and finish their deal in singles or production or whatever they want. But I don't see it as a feeder. I just see it as another class, you know, like same level. Yeah. And, and you made a good point. Um, guys moving back, it's kind of, you know, I'm obviously one of the guys that have, have moved back and for me and other guys too, it's like, man, it, um, it's like, if I can't get that opportunity and, and super twins, you know, and I have a good opportunity to where I can, you know, keep racing and make some money for my family or whatever, and just keep, kind of keep chasing the dream. It's like, well, these other two classes, you know, they have the TV time, they're, they're good bikes, there's good rides available at the singles. I mean, arguably, there's probably better rides in the singles class than, than super twins. So and more of them, and more of them. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. It's, and yeah, it's something that people debate, obviously, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Because um, yeah, you're, you're one that, you know, you've, you've did your two years in the singles and now you're going right to super twins. And it just depends what your goals are. Like for me, when I was your age, I wanted to race twins. Like I wanted to go race the big, the big guys right away. And I did, you know, back in the day, you could run pro sport. There was pro sport. Then you could run pro sport for forever. You never had to move up. And uh, I only did, you know, I did like seven months of pro sport and then I jumped on a twin. So that's what I, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Um, you know, you, you want to, it depends what your goals are, I guess, but it's cool that there are three classes with great riders. And it is cool that the, the narrative of Henry versus Dallas at Peoria even existed. Right. So without that, it might've never existed. And, uh, and Henry might've retired three, you know, three, four years ago. And, and uh, we might have never seen it. Mikey Rush, you know, right, guys yeah. like that, myself. Just a second chance kind of to end off their career. Yeah, yeah. And I got a lot of respect for guys that go into the singles class in their 30s because I've done it. It's scary as hell. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to uh, to see. And it, it just fires you up for, uh, you know, just to see those battles. Um, so singles class 2022. This is probably a stupid question that <laughs> based on what we've already talked about, but who you thinking, man? Um, you obviously are training with a guy who you know is pretty quick. Teammate, you've raced with guys like Max Whale. You grew up racing guys like Trent Lowe, and uh, there's a lot of uh, really good riders out there. Cody Cop, young kid, the whole you know Dalton Gauthier is making making a jump back with uh, Morgan Mitchell was 
incredibly consistent last year. I had no idea he was pretty much top five every race. I had was, no idea. Yeah, I had no idea until I looked at the stats like a week or two ago and um, Chase Sadoff, young rookie. I'm, I know I'm missing people, so I apologize. Brandon Kitchen. Um, yeah, there's there's some other guys out there as well. But Pitt, what are your picks? What is the outcome looking like for uh, the guy that won the last two championships? I know they're happy as hell you're not in the class. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be honest, I'm like actually really excited to step back and watch this class now. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to the singles class, it's, uh, there's so much talent right now and so many great motorcycles, obviously going to be a little biased, you know, rooting for my teammate. I want to see the team do well. So, but, uh, you know, it's hard to bet against Max Whale. Max has finished second to myself the last two years. And last year he was my toughest competitor and, you know, he's only going to get better. Um, Cody Cobb jumping onto the Red Bull KTM. He was good last year. You know, he's got the rookie jitters out, going to be on an even better bike. Uh, Godier coming down, which he kind of like, he kind of like did the ladder, like singles, twins, production twins, singles, like kind of just did a circle. But, uh, you know, it's cool to see him come back on a, on a Honda and then Morgan get the opportunity to ride a good bike. And not that his bikes weren't good, but, uh, you know, a top, a bike that's, uh, you know, on a great team and same with Chase Sadoff. We'll see what he can do in the series. But man, as far as my picks, I don't know. It's tough. I think, I think we're going to see a lot of single race winners this year. Um, like guys winning multiple guys, not winning multiple races. Like, I don't think we're going to see a runaway. I think there's going to be a lot of guys that, you know, win a race. Oh, this guy had a breakout day. And then this guy won this race, you know, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, my, I want my pick, for sure to Trevor. I want to see Trevor win. I want to see the team win, but uh, definitely you can't argue against the top teams, the three Honda guys, the two KTM guys and the Yamaha guy. And then Brandon Kitchen's going to be on a team. He's going to be tough. You know, those are my, the top guys, you know, they're going to be fighting for it, but I want to see Trevor win. <laughs> yeah. I'm stoked as a fan, you know, it's uh, not taking anything away from you, but it's like, man, it's like, all right, well, you know, it's nice. Dallas is moving out of the class. Cause now we're going to get a first time champion, right? I don't uh, think anybody, well, uh, Dalton, Dalton, Dalton's yeah. got a shot to, yeah. So, um, but we're going to get a lot of new guys up at the front and that'll be exciting, right? I mean, people get bored with the same guys winning all the time. So sure. it's, uh, it's good for the sport to, to see that diversity up at the front. And yeah, as a fan, I'm stoked. I, I love watching that class. I'm, I'm uh, equally excited. Shane is not in it anymore. <laughs> um, you know, it takes a little bit of stress away watching those miles and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, I guess I could ask you that before we, I got a few more questions for you, but what are your thoughts? Singles on the miles, man. Um, we haven't done Springfield mile on the singles. You never did it. Um, I, I've been vocal about it. I, I hate it. I hate uh, not all miles, but Springfield, I hated it. It was yeah. nerve wracking to watch. And I'm honestly, I'm not even a big fan of them at Sacramento or places like that. And it's not, I'm sorry to any of the promoters or the AFT. It's just a personal thing when you have family members out there and it's just tough to watch when it's that close, that pack racing thing. Um, OKC tracks like that. It's awesome. But yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on it? Man? It definitely is gnarly. Uh, especially cause the problem, you know, a lot of these guys coming in, the new guys, they don't have a lot of mile experience. And if they do, it's one race at amateur nationals, which they finally just brought back. I thought it was stupid. They even took it away. Um, those guys need that experience, especially like me, when I came in, I got to race it only twice on a 250 and then they took it away like those kids should have each year on a 250 each year on a 450 like 
how do you, you know, they want the kids to be safer. You got to give them the tools to do it. Anyways, moving off that, uh, you know, Sacramento and Oklahoma, I think those are, you know, my, I'll just put my opinion out there right now. I think racing 450s on Springfield Mile is a big no. The only way I think that it would be possible is if you took like top 10 in points and let them go duke it out because they're all going to be straight up guys. They're all going to, they know what they're doing, but nobody's going to break away. Like even in the twins, you know, like some of those packs at Springfield are gnarly. Like, so I don't, you know, my personal opinion for Springfield is a no. I think it's all, I think it's cool to do the short track, you know, the night before, like the fans love the short track, do the TT. I thought in 2019 when they did that, that was great. Um, but then again, like if they, if they were to ever do like the top 10 in points, you're going to piss off so many people. So like, that's obviously going to be a shot in the foot for AFT, but I think every other mile, but Springfield is fine just because Springfield's just so fast and big, but I mean, I, me personally, I love the miles on the 450. They were good. It's definitely sketchy sometimes racing with some guys that don't have as much experience, but then again, it all goes back to the amateur stuff, like I said, but I mean, besides Springfield, I, I'm a fan of it. Yeah. And I think the slower bikes you have, the, the closer, it may, obviously you watch any kind of road racing, the, the, the moto three or anything, it's, it's easier to ride the bikes at a fast, at a fast pace. And Springfield is, a really easy track to ride. It's hard as hell to win, but it's easy. And I've, I've heard this from Chris Carr many times. It's like my rider coach and it's easy to ride, but that's what makes the pack racing so close. And even in production twins, like I see guys at Springfield that I don't fucking see all year, like racing with me. And it's like, damn, like it's, it's unpredictable. Like it's, um, and it's something that I need to do better on as well. Um, but yeah, and in Springfield mile back in the day, it's like from the 450s, you had no idea who was going to win the race. And I mean, no offense to those guys, but like those guys that won Springfield mile, I've never heard of them before. You know, they just kind of won Springfield and that was it. Like, it yeah. Was, yeah, like you said, it's just so easy to win. Yeah. Yeah. So one of those things, but no, I wanted to get some insight. Like I said, I'm, I, uh, it, it's nerve wracking as a fan, uh, as me, as somebody that, you know, I have a lot of friends in that class. Uh, I'm sure for the fans that don't know anything, it's like, oh, it's cool to watch, but we've been really lucky there over the years that we haven't had like a bike blow up or a chain come off or something crazy. And, yeah. um, in the 450 class, cause a pack of 18 it's, uh, yeah. So nah, cool, man. I just wanted to get, wanted to get that insight. Um, want to talk a little bit about your, your move to the twins. Um, what is, so you started riding a twin a little bit early last year. Um, and then you did Atlanta TT. Now you've had quite a few laps on a twin, what is the biggest, uh, do you have to adjust your riding for the people that don't know? Um, how much difference is it from your riding style that you grew up doing your whole life on the DTX bikes to now you have a bike that actually is built to turn left and built to, to kind of go in a circle really fast. So what is the biggest differences with your, uh, with your riding style and just, you know, do you like having the power there? I personally love the power of a twin. Um, give us the uh, breakdown on what you've noticed so far uh yeah so like yeah like you said my whole career pretty much rode dtx bikes i got to ride a couple framers but like i've never rode a rotex <laughs> and that's kind of True. crazy for people to believe but i just never had the opportunity to ride one um but as far as racing a twin man like to be honest it's almost easier in a way for me like it's so much easier for me to give feedback everything's magnified uh I love the power. Like you said, I, I feel it's just so much more fun to ride. Like it's, it's cool to ride a motorcycle that's built to do what I'm doing. Like the bikes, you know, we're racing now are meant to go over jumps and through whoops with a 170 pound average Joe on it. So it's like, it's kind of cool to 
to ride a motorcycle that's built for the sport, um, for like what we're doing. Um, but I mean, I, to be honest, like I, like I know that everything's getting harder, like competition's harder, being able to go the main events on them's harder, you got trained harder, but it's almost gotten easier for me that like, you know, I just, I have so much fun on the bike and, you know, it, it's working well so far that it's, it's almost easier in a way, but the biggest difference I think is just the, the power, like in the, in the handling of the bike, like you have to respect it. Like I rode a twin at your race and it was like, if you get out of shape on a 450, man, you just grab another handful and just ride it out on a twin. You get out of shape, you got to calm it down, you know, give it a second. Like you don't, you know, you got to respect it a it's lot calculated more. calculated more. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And how much testing are you guys doing? Like, um, obviously Essenson has been testing for the last three, three, four years. Like they've, they've done an incredible amount of testing to get that Yamaha better and more competitive with the other brands. So how much testing are you personally doing? Cause I mean, shit, you really don't know no better. Like you never really rode a bunch of the bikes. I mean, do you have your package laid out? Do you know what you like and you want to stick with, or are you, you know, like JD, he's ridden probably, probably 20 different combinations of the bike, you know, what are, what's, what's your testing look like right now? Um, are you just trying to get comfortable on any twin in general, or do you have a package that you like, uh, you know, and is it different from, uh, from JD? Uh, you know, like for me, like the only, the tw- only twin I've ever rode is a Yamaha. So like, I don't know any better, <laughs> you know, for JD, he's rode Cowies, he's rode Harley, you know, I think he's rode Harleys. Uh, I don't know if he's rode an Indian or not, but, uh, you know, a lot of these guys have experience on more than one twin. Like, I don't know no better if they're like, Hey man, is that thing sucked? I don't know. It seems pretty good. I don't, I don't know what to compare it to my 450, I guess, but it's like, you know, I'm doing quite a bit of testing and like, I have a practice bike. So it's like, man, if I'm going to go out and tool around in the backyard, I'm going to go ride the twin, you know, just to get comfortable on it. Cause you know, like motor, you know, 450 is easy. Cause you motocross 450 trail ride a 450, you ride the 450 to the grocery store. Like it's like, you know, you can't help but get comfortable on it. Well, you can't moto a twin. Um, so it's like any chance I get to ride it, I do like, so it's kind of, it's kind of bitter. It's kind of a tough pill to swallow. Cause like I go to your race and I know I could run up front and, you know, be better on a 450, but I've kind of got to like take that and just, you know, sometimes suck on a twin just to be comfortable, like, and know that like, you know, put the ego aside and just be like, Hey man, we're here for bigger picture stuff. So I mean, as far as testing goes, yeah, we're doing a bunch. We've got a lot of new people um, coming from last year and more people this year. And probably sounds like a broken record, but we're making big strides. And I feel like the motorcycle is really good. And I feel like it's only going to get better. Um, You know, me and JD get along really well. And he kind of takes me under his wing a little bit and like like a bigger brother to me. So we're able to bounce ideas off each other through the week and talk about racing. And, you know, he's got so much experience on the thing in like the last three years. So I ask him when we go testing and we've got a good relationship as teammates. So that's been good. But, you know, as far as testing, just kind of same thing every racer is doing, just I'm trying to get comfortable. This year is going to be a building year for me. Um, and I know it's going to be tough, but we're just, you know, yeah, trying to get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. That's cool. Um, yeah. It's kind of a good thing that you like, you've never ridden more because yeah, you don't know, no better. You don't know. It's, you know, it's, it's for me, it's like having different, having too many options for me on race day. I don't like either. Um, we have a J and M frame that we play with. We played with a little bit last year and we didn't really have any time to test it. So we, we would take it to the track and I'd pull it out in one session. Then I'd go back to the C and J and then, Oh, well maybe we should bring out this engine combo on this bike. And uh, yeah, it's just sometimes too many options can, 
can mess you up. You. Yeah, like this year, I we didn't even bring the JNM to any track ever. We just, or sorry, last year we just ran ran the uh, the CNJ package that we have, and and uh, yeah. So this this off season, I'm gonna try and ride the the JNM a little bit more. Just to, I mean, they built the bike, so I was, so I want to ride it a little bit, but. Yeah, having options and sometimes having too much experience can be a double-edged sword. So it's interesting to uh, to get that insight. Um, so you talked a little bit about JD, and I, like I said, I wanted to wanted to talk to you a little bit a little bit about JD, like what it's like living with him um, and yourself, man. You're pretty quiet, like when it comes to the fans that just see Dallas Daniels at the track. Like you're very well spoken you don't really get into the drama stuff too much. Like you do your job, you race, you go home. Um, what do you do for fun? Like on the weekend, like, is there a wild side to Dallas? Like, do you go out with your friends? Do you, uh, um, you know, what is your personality like away from the track? Like I've talked to you and I know a little bit about what, you, you know, things you like to do for fun stuff, but the fans that see you, um, you don't overly post a lot of stuff on social media. Um, you don't really do any of that. You just kind of want to race and go home, do your job and, and do, do what you have to do to make a career in the sport. Um, so yeah, what, are, what are your thoughts and what do you, what do you do for fun? Uh, yeah, definitely. I love to, I love to go out and have a good time and hang out with friends. And I mean, you have to have fun. Like you can't just, you know, like I'm a motorcycle racer. I love racing motorcycles. I love being serious about my job, but at this, you know, you have to have fun. Like if you don't have fun in your life, like you're just wasting your life. Like, yeah, be serious about your job, but you know, you go out and celebrate wins and have fun on the weekends. You know, like I'm a kid that I was homeschooled my sophomore year. Like I never went to prom. Do I care? No, but kind of want to go out and like one of my buddies is in college. So I go hang out with him sometimes and just be like, man, I would not want to do this, but it's cool for a weekend, you know? So it's like, it's cool. And I mean, as far as going to the races, like I'm, I'm, I take my, my deal very serious. And I think that's kind of something my dad's built into me. Like, if you're going to do this, do it right. And, uh, hanging out with JD, I feel like I've went more that direction. Like he hung, like my JD, the JD to JD was Nikki, you know, like he looked up to Nikki, like, so I'm kind of in his shoes, I guess, in a weird way. Um, and he, I just look up to him a bunch. Cause like, man, he's so dedicated and, uh, he does like to have a good time, but it is hard to get him to break out of his shell and have fun. But I feel like me and even Trevor as kids, like we kind of help him do that. Like we help him have a good time. Like we all kind of get down that path where we're so focused on what we're doing. We forget to branch off and go do stuff. So like, like we went and played golf yesterday and we like to screw around and mess with people and do stupid stuff, I guess. But you know, it's uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not just this blue collar racer that, you know, is, I mean, I, I love racing and I, and pretty much that's all I care about besides, you know, my family and stuff, but, uh, I definitely like to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good to hear. And I, yeah, I mean, some stuff we, you just, you can't post about or do, but I, I know, I know you guys get after a little bit and have some fun. So that's cool to see. And I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You, you talk about like your mindset and everything. And I actually use this phrase a lot when I'm, I'm working with some of the kids growing up that I help Cause I have an amateur team I've helped, I've helped chase a little bit. Uh, well, actually we've, I've been, I've had chase for probably three, four years. And then, uh, Evan Renshaw and Trent, and I'm always like, do you think Dallas is doing this right? Like if they want to do some waste, like something that's, I feel like wasting time. I'm like, you think Dallas was doing this? Or I always say like, you know, Dallas wanted to race. He puts a lot of time in the racing and he's a kid. There's no other 14 to 16 year old kids that 
had your dedication level to where this is what you wanted to do. You don't give a shit about anything else. Um, and just hearing you talk about that's pretty funny. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, you don't post a lot on social media. You kind of just, just you focused on racing and then, uh, the results, you know, they, they pay off. So, uh, it was kind of funny at the banquet. You, you, uh, you gave me shit about having eight, eight, so eight social accounts. So that was pretty funny. I only got yeah. six, by the way. I don't have eight. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, it's cool that, uh, that you can joke around and, and you, I've seen some little tidbits like where you'll like just a couple one-liners that are just crisp. It's like, and uh, I, I don't want to sit here and say I'm funny and stuff, but man, I like you, you get to know me. Like I, I am serious and I kind of stay in my show a little bit, but like, I, I, I'm a big movie guy. Like I love movies. I quote movies all the time. My one-liners are pretty decent because my, my dad's the same way, but it's like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at making people laugh, but at the races, I just don't have time for it, man. Like I'm, I don't want to make oh, people I hear laugh. I just want to do my job. So. I hear I'm the same way. Like people are like, man, you're way more fun away from the track. I'm like, dude, like, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just like, everything I do throughout the week, everything I, you know, the pain cave I live in when I'm training, the, yeah, yeah. the driving to the track, the dedication, the, it all reflects on that one day. And I've had fans that have come over and they've said, I've blown them off and I don't try to blow anybody off, but man, I am, it's the same way with like Jared Meese, man, like on race day, you yeah. get a different guy. Please everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like at the races, you know, I get crap for it sometimes. Like you need to break, like my parents, like, can you break out of your shell and show people you're funny? So I try to make jokes here and there, but at the same time, it's like, I, I don't want to, like, I, I want to be serious. You know, I don't want to show my competition that I'm, I'm there to have fun. Like, that's why I don't post a lot of stuff on social media. I don't want anybody knowing what I'm doing. I don't want anybody knowing what I'm training and what, you know, just stuff like that. I like to keep it a secret, but no, I definitely, I like to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, your some of your one-liners are pretty, pretty funny, man. They're pretty like, it's funny. Cause you don't, you don't dish them out a lot. It's even more funny. Like when you just want every one, every so often, uh, big movie guy, what's, what's the movie quote right now? Like, what are you guys quoting? Cause, Ooh. cause JD, JD told me he, he stopped to PAX, uh, yesterday, the day before and we chatted for probably a half hour and he said you guys quote a lot of movies so what's the what's the most quotable movie well it's funny uh you know trevor being my teammate he's actually a lot like uh like me and my dad like really likes movies where jd man i mean he uh, he says he doesn't watch many movies he likes to watch the cooking channel in the morning which is weird like i either wake up and watch racing or i watch uh i watch some movie or something you know but uh, i mean as far as movie quotes go right now uh Man, I don't, I don't even know what it, what did we watch the other day? Uh, I, I, I saw the uh, when you guys were last winter, you uh, you were riding at Johnny's and you did like the Days of Thunder, yep, Days yep, of Thunder like bits. So yeah, yeah, shit's funny, man. It's yeah, good. Yeah, so that's something there that, that we was do actually, need to see more. We need more of that. Yeah, that, that was actually Johnny's <laughs> idea, and funny. I was like, man, that's great. Like, uh, you know, that stuff's funny, especially he had the opportunity with Cena or whatever to do that. Like, I couldn't do that stuff because I don't have the equipment, but yeah, as, uh, as far as movies go, I, I don't know. I just like to annoy JD every once in a while. We've been showing him some weird YouTube stuff. He gets all weirded out, but I, I just do that on purpose. <laughs> um, one more question, then we'll do the high-low line. But realistically, you said it's a building year for you. Um, realistic expectations for for the Super Twins. Like, what are your, what are your goals, man? I mean, uh, some guys don't like to talk about them, but it's our job to kind of ask fans want to know, like, what are you, uh, what are you thinking as a two-time singles guy moving into the, to the premier class? Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of excited to be a rookie again. Uh, 
because like coming in and winning a championship like my first full year yeah it's great but then it's like immediate pressure like the next year you know you got to deliver so I'm excited to be a rookie again and I'm kind of bringing in the same mentality I did uh to my first 450 season like I'm gonna come in have fun uh you know I always have fun but be you know make sure and uh just kind of learn you know like this is a big step like these guys are for real like uh, the black and white plates, man, they're heavy. So it's uh, trying to, you know, learn how to race with everybody and get comfortable with racing at that level. And, but obviously like I can sit here and say like, it's a building year for me, but like, I want to win. Like I want to, I'm not saying like, I want to go out and, you know, dominate right away, but I, I, I want to win a race. I want to be competitive, you know, be a top five top, you know, I don't want to be a dick, but it's like, how many guys are going to be in the class? Like, is the top 10 really that good? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of, I want to be competitive, I guess is the way I'm going to say it, but um, I don't know. My goals for this year, like, I'll be honest, like I, I want to win a race. I want to be up front. Like I just, and I just want to learn, but uh, I definitely want to be competitive. Yeah. The top 10 doesn't mean as much as it used to yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Making the national was cool. So we'll see what that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll get your national number this year. Uh, it's kind of crazy. I, I was talking about with somebody the other day and they're like, man, your race was pretty stacked. Right. I'm like, yeah, it was really stacked. Like, there was like 35 guys and they only took 12 to the final. They're like, man, it's more stacked than, uh, than super twins. I'm like, eh, I mean, I mean, it's hard, way harder to make the main. Like, so, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. That's just kind of funny. Yeah. Just for people that have grown up in the sport, like me and you, it, we've seen a lot of different shit over the, uh, over, over our lives with, uh, the, with the sport. Yeah. But. Like when I was a kid, man, making a national is a big deal. And now it's like, everybody goes <laughs> yeah you know, I, I want to make my first national i don't just want to get into it so we'll, well that. and that too man it's like people people hammer their super twins class like a lot of the fans and and that actually pisses me off because everybody in the super twins they're all really good riders and they'd all yeah. be they yeah. would all be top 10 if 30 more guys showed up 100%. so yep. that's you know the numbers aren't there but you know people are like oh i turned it off before the super twins i'm like well then you're not a fan of the sport because yeah. if you don't like watching the talent of the top guys and super twins you just don't understand what it takes to have have the smoothness of like a brandon robinson or a jared meese or you know the aggression that uh or the the skills of um hanging off the side of the bike like briar does or jd or you know, that those top level guys and now yourself, man, it's the talent level is I would put those guys up against anybody I've ever seen in the history of the sport. Um, those guys would be winning if there was 40 guys in the class. It's the same thing as like Jake Gagne. Oh, man, he's winning all these races because there's nobody. in. It's like uh, he's breaking track records. Every you know, race, the yeah. guys like, yeah. So those are just Facebook comments again we're getting into. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go into the high low line, this or that. And if you want to give a brief explanation, uh, we always, we always take them. So Springfield TT or Peoria TT, you got to pick one. What are you racing? Oof, yeah. You, you mentioned this before I walked in, uh, man, I, I have to say Springfield. I just love the dirt. I love the facility, um, which is kind of funny. Uh, just a little background on this. My dad, the only national I ever made was at Springfield two years in a row but his favorite track is Peoria. Now for me, I won Peoria, but my favorite track is Springfield. So we're kind of like Mr. Opposites there, but yeah, I just, I love the dirt. I love the, I get goosebumps when I drive in that place. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Like people, their, their favorite track isn't one that they've, they've done at like everyone. It's like, they do well. It's like, Oh, this is my favorite track now, but I go a lot of tracks that I'll do well at that. I'm, I'm like, I'm like a uh, Joliet. I didn't like Joliet. Um, 
I won it, but I, I was like stoked. It wasn't back on the schedule. I was like, yeah, I wasn't a fan of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of jolly yet. And there's some that I don't do well at, um, like Springfield mile the last few years. I really like Springfield. I just, yeah. So that's, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool to hear that from somebody else. Um, who wins in Peoria, who wins at Peoria in their prime? Let's just say equal bikes, whatever it is, uh, wiles or car. Oh yeah, man. I mean, whew. you know, uh, I mean, Chris still got the track record there. Uh, I mean, I've, I, I actually, for those that don't know, I actually had Chris come in last year and be my guy at Peoria just because I wanted that edge on Henry. I wanted them to know that I had Chris there and like we were doing a track walk the day before and everybody was staring at us. And I was like, Oh yeah, man, I, you know, I brought him into, you know, whatever. It was kind of more mind games, I think, but obviously it didn't work out. Uh, but as far as winning there, man, on equal equipment, I, I got to go with Chris, man. I mean, if he in his prime on the, the track with the way it was, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Chris. Yeah. And seeing the pictures of Chris sky and a, a framer Rotex wood Rotex over that jump. Um, it's still one of the, the, most crazy photos uh i've ever seen and he did it every lap like he was he was jumping so far and so clean on that framer um it it was incredible to see and it's definitely underrated what chris was able to do there for so long and and uh, he would have won more there if he didn't go road racing in his prime like he won road racing for for three years i think it was so in my opinion chris is the best to ever do it skill just, level yeah like yeah. he sat pole in a super bike race one t like scotty parker never won a tt yeah he's got nine championships but in my opinion chris is the guy yeah and that's i've talked about it too man i've i you know the scheduling back then it was uh there was one tt every year you know there was one short track and i was the biggest parker fan growing up but as i got older i had i've learned to like really appreciate what chris could do on a motorcycle like yeah. he, he was winning on dtx bikes when we he was in a transitional era where he easily could have just been good on framers and he transitioned over the, to the DTX bikes and, yeah. and was crushing it as well. He won a concrete indoor. I mean, yeah, he's Chris is my, I call him uncle Chris, but yeah, he's uh yeah, he's, he's a legend for sure. Yeah. Um, Friday night, you're not racing all weekend, something to do. You going golfing or bowling? Ooh, oh man. That's just a, talked about golfing. Yeah, so no kidding. That's a tough question. one. I really enjoy bowling, but I've actually, you know, the other day I went and played there you know, I did pretty decent. If I'm with the right group of people, I'm going to go bowling, but if I'm going something by myself, I'm going to go golfing. Yeah. I suck at bowling, man. I, if I can bowl one thirty, I'm hype. Um, <laughs> and golfing, I've learned that it's actually really fun. Like when you're with four buddies and there's, and there's drinks on the course, I know you're not, you're, you're too young to drink, but <laughs> yeah, when you go golfing, you go golfing and the, you know, it's just the beer cart comes out. I, have, I was like, man, golfing is a lot of fun. I had no idea. So, um, so you're an Illinois boy. You grew up in Illinois. Uh, I don't know if these are the two that I should be asking you, but these are the two that I know. And I've never raced Pekin, but I've been to Galesburg. Um, you're picking one or the other. Which one are you picking? Uh, man, you know, I, unfortunately, Galesburg has went kind of down the, you know, it's like the big memorial race isn't as big as it once was. And the dirt's not really the same there. But man, back in the day, Galesburg was a sweet awesome. cushion short track. And Pekin is too, but it kind of grooves up sometimes. So I'll probably go Galesburg for that one. Yeah, I, I, I like grew up racing both places. Yeah, Galesburg's fun. I've ridden there, ridden there like two or three times. Oh, I always that was a hard main to make too. There was always 40, 45, 50 guys that would show up and they would take 12 to the main. And I've uh, I've always made the main there, but I've always been like a mid pack guy. One year there was like a jump off the back straightaway. It's like a double from like yeah, the track. track yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was Mikey Rush. Like he went off the track and 
was about to sky the double, had it locked up going over the face. Uh, th- that track was dicey, man. I, I just, a lot of good memories. Uh, that was back when the experts raced the outlaw races. Now nobody does. That I know. Stuff. That's I know. Why kind of falling apart. I know. And the purses are, are like pretty good too. Like, yeah. um, yeah, it's like the, the purse money's there. It's, it's like these, everyone's like, man, how do I get more pros to come to my race? Like, I'm like, man, I don't know. Cause like, Sometimes there's like ten thousand dollar purse and nobody comes still. Yeah, it's and just... yours works out because it's like before the season. But dude, I remember going to Galesburg as a kid the night before Peoria. I mean, Mees, Halbert, Mikey Rush, everybody pretty much, but Jake Johnson, he never did them. But Briar when he was old enough, JD, Henry, like it was a full on national. Oh yeah, dish. yeah, yeah. I mean, even going back to Schnabel and everybody pretty much did on besides like Chris Carr, Jake um and brian smith really never did many either so um but that's what you did yeah that's what you did you just you uh like you said just that's the best way to kind of kind of get your mojo and and uh keep racing doing whatever you can Uh, i got two more for you supercross uh again i don't know if these are the two i should be asking but uh i just who's your 450 guy in supercross i had tomac or webb but if you got to pick one guy you want to see win on a Saturday night Supercross, who is it? Uh, I mean, you know, you got your main guys, Webb, Tomac, Rocks, and Anderson. I, man, I, my, I, my, uh, I've kind of shifted the past few years. I was kind of a Roxon guy, but I've kind of faded off him just because I feel like every weekend's kind of a, you know, a different thing why he doesn't do well. And even if he does well, it seems like there's something wrong. <laughs> um tomax a yamaha guy now but i really want to see ap do well i really like him some of the my you know he's from uh indiana or something but uh right down the street my dad actually used to work there as owen motorsports and you know jace owen everybody i'm sure everybody's heard of him well him and plessinger were friends so like some of the guys that used to help out jace hung around aaron and he's just a cool guy like he's fun wearing the cowboy hat and do it for dale all that stuff i'm, I'm a fan of him i'd like to see him get some wins i guess yeah yeah there's honestly there's like there's really nobody i dislike in the 450 class anymore like i like them like them all for different reasons it's a, you know i like mookie i'm an anderson guy i like cooper webb's mentality i like tomac um there's a lot of guys man it's so stacked right now man. it's stacked and there's like so many different personalities too man like oh, it's yeah. cool that you can follow and and pit, root for a guy based on like how their personality um you know it's crazy so it's fun to watch uh, if you're, if you weren't flat track racing and obviously I want to give Dallas, obviously a shout out. He's a hell of a motocross rider for, for being a flat track guy, dudes, dude gets it on, on a motocross track. Um, so it's fun to watch Dallas rides moto, uh, but based, not based off of your skill, but like the lifestyle and your dream job as a non-flat tracker, say you, you have the skill to do either. Would you be a moto? And we just asked, I think we just asked this to Brandon Robinson too, but would you be a MotoGP rider, top MotoGP guy, or would you be a top Supercross guy? Man, I, well, I, pays I, the same, pays the same. Okay, okay. I, uh, I love motocross. So I grew up motocross and, um, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of tough because, like, I've never, you know, I enjoy riding like the little mini arena cross tracks whenever I get the chance, but, I'd probably go MotoGP. I really, I enjoy road race and I enjoy following MotoGP, especially as I've gotten older, I've kind of started to appreciate it more. Um, but then again, man, the lifestyle over there is crazy. You know, basically got to move over there and grind, you know, grind it out and be away from your family. So it's tough, but I don't know, man. I mean, 
it's funny because like you listen to Ricky Carmichael, he comes and watch Black Hills Half Mile. like, this is just too fast. And like I'm thinking, like, man, I couldn't hit a supercross triple. Like, I'm like, yeah, I just I probably go MotoGP. Yeah, it's funny. My uh my buddy Noah Chambers, obviously, a lot of you guys know him. He's on the pod quite a bit. Um, but he always he's obviously he's a pro pro moto guy and he's great, great rider. And he always gives me shit because I'm like a I'm like a vet B motocross guy and he'll always give me shit about something. I'm not doing a jump or I'm jumping like a goon. But I took him to Frederick half mile two years ago and he whole shot of the race. I'm like, all right, cool. We're in this like open amateur comes around he's not coming like top five six guys coming around seventh i'm like holy fuck noah crashed and then uh i'm starting to walk back to go run after him they're like no there he is he was so slow that i thought he fell in turns one and two like he wasn't he pulled the biggest hole shot and then he was last coming down the back straightaway and he was like comes in he's like dude that's terrifying he's like that's crazy this is stupid uh so yeah it's just funny like different mindset for for different riders like i hate there's like some 50 foot jumps that i don't do and then um i think going down straight one a mile is fine and some guys are just oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's terrifying so yeah it's it's cool when you're able to do different disciplines like yourself and get a taste of all that but cool man well it's good to get you on i know you've been uh you've been a listener for a while which is awesome it's stoked that you, uh, you tune in you listen man your pops is uh pops listens in he always hits me up about different things on the pod and appreciate you guys tuning in and just to get you on as a guest uh it's about time man it's uh you know got two titles now moving on the super twins and uh it's just been a, a really fun time to have you on and uh thanks for sharing a lot of the insight and, you know you're 18 years old but you talk like you talk like you're in your 30s man so it's uh it's appreciated and yeah a lot of props for your career so far and it's it's crazy you're 18 you're just getting started so uh yeah thanks for taking the time and uh being part of it yeah man thanks for having me a long time listener uh you know you asked me to be honest man i finally made it in the sport i'm gonna go be on text that <laughs> podcast no it's cool man it's uh it's been it's been fun i i really enjoy listening and I'll, i'm sure i'll enjoy listening to this one but thanks for having me on yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, guys, want to give a shout out to our sponsors real quick and uh, we'll wrap this up. Not much else going on. Mission Foods, once again, we appreciate their support. If you can go to the grocery store and buy Mission products, it not only supports all of us, but all they do for uh, other forms of motorcycle racing as well. They're heavily involved and it's cool that we can do our part to support them by, by stacking Mission products, not to mention they're phenomenal. So, um, you know, we want to thank them once again. Bell Power Sports, check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell, Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing, motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side, snowmobile and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. Indian Motorcycle, big, big supporters of our podcast and the sport in general. Go test ride a bike, go grab some merch. Really stoked to have Indian on board. Love their brand and what they're doing in the industry. Moto America, we are really happy to have them back on board as a sponsor. Obviously, we talk about the Moto America series a lot with our guests. We're big fans of the sport, and I'm stoked to uh, to see how it on how it all unfolds in all the classes this year. There's some rides that are that are being signed as we speak. New guys kind of bouncing around. Then, yeah, I'm just excited to get the Moto America season going back in Daytona this year. I'm, I'm hyped for that. That's going to be awesome seeing I'm a bagger guy. So seeing the baggers on the high banks will be pretty awesome. Uh, Dunlop motorcycle tires, check them out. They do a lot. They, they give the contingency out for all the classes They're They have a flat track team they support and they produce the, the best tire in flat track right now. So uh, their website, Dunlop motorcycle tires.com 19 inch and their new 17 inch option. 
and Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Check out their website at commercialroofsystems.net. Uh, big shout out to Jerry, man. We appreciate you. But that's a wrap on this pod. It was a good one. Stoked to have Dallas on. Maybe we'll get his teammate on here in the next couple of weeks as well. I'd like to like to get Trevor on and see what he's got planned for the future. But yeah, thanks for uh, subscribing to the show and uh, all the comments, the support. We appreciate you guys. And that's it. We out.